Go, 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 Schubert. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's this podcast. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, just a heads up about the audio here. I'm using my travel microphone. I was in Los Angeles. Then I was in Dallas for a wedding. Now I'm back in Houston. My wedding is coming up. Then I'm going on my honeymoon. I couldn't bring all of my stuff. So please pardon editing mic sounding a little bit different for the next couple of episodes. Second, I am so excited to announce that on April 9th in New Orleans, Louisiana, Harry Potter and the Secret Text and Potterless are finally teaming up for a live show. I'm so excited about it. I've been able to do some podcasts and some live shows at LeakyCon with Vanessa and the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team, and it's always absolutely fantastic, and I'm very excited to bring that to New Orleans. So if you want to get tickets to that, they are live at multitude.production slash live. And speaking of live shows, thanks to everyone who came to the LA show. It was absolutely fantastic. I had a great time. Thanks so much, everyone, for coming out. And speaking of thanks, I want to give a big thank you to all of our new patrons, so shout out to ZV Witty, Dre Harder, Lena Durrell, Sean Wells, Megan McGee, Ruben, Eduardo, Mark Andre Maltese, Caitlin, Kai, Babo Schuster, James Enderl, Ryan Hallbauer, and Daniel, a pronunciation correction for Melanie Duchreff and Farzin Gherabath. Shout out to A through Z and Eva Wilson who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our new producer level patrons, Yim Key and Bony Pony. They joined the ranks of Vicky Aaron, Jesse Clow, Marchismo, Samantha Juan, Rosemarie, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Rossan, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Ingen, Alex, John, Noel, Emily, Liz, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Summer, Andrea, Lynn, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Netta, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Sarah, Marta, Erin, Eileen, Violet, Lindsay, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Ann, Mr. Folk, Maya, Kieran, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Peter, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Daniel, Lily, Elizabeth, Michael, Tiffany, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Mary, Jennifer, Jaden, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Kayla, Aurora, Emma, Out of Context, Marcos, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Anna, Fake Brianna, Jenny, Sarah, McKenna, Mary, Joy, Heather, Dead Cat Lady, Javi, Darlene, Brad, Thomas, Charlotte, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Bugaboo, Jarl, Haley, Emma, Ashley, Pita, Sophie, Jack, Jen, and Nicole, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Jordy, Bella, Melanie, Bill, Victoria, Joe, Elizabeth, Britt, Molly, Becca, Anthony, Rees, Adam, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, G, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Maria, Matt, Okamihime, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? who never get left with an uneven amount of bread slices in their bag of bread, meaning that they don't have to eat a strange open-faced ham and cheese sandwich. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive live streams, exclusive shirts and stickers, you can head on over to patreon.com potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 113 of Potterless, the first of three parts about the eighth movie, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, guest starring Kelly Beckman and Ty Stafford. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by two guests. One in person sitting across from me is my lovely fiance, soon-to-be wife, which is bonkers, Kelly Beckman, and called in via Google Hangouts. We've got an old YouTube buddy from back in the day when I used to do that, and I had a bowl cut, and times were interesting. It's Ty Stafford. Ty, how's it going? Hello, party. 
Thank you for having me on. This is so awesome. Uh, we've literally only met in real life, I believe, one time. Yeah, I was at that VidCon. You actually bought me my first ever mixed drink because I had just turned 21. Really? No way. Yeah. So I had a beer at the time because I waited until I was 21 to drink. I had beer at the time, but never had a mixed drink. We were at some like YouTube bar thing and you were like, what do you want? And I was like, I literally have no idea. <laughs> you asked me if I like Christmas. I said, yes. So you said, cool, I'll get you a gin and tonic. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I, I'll tell you this. I, I'm honored to to be the person that have, that introduced you, shepherded you through that that part of your life. <laughs> it's very important, Kelly. How are you doing? No, I'm good. Hi, <laughs> Kelly. Tell us about your first mixed drink. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly shot me a bit of a look when I did. I introduced. Oh, her I was first like, wait time. a second. Sorry. Did I not get to say hi to you? You get to say hello. <laughs> hello. How's it going? Good. I'm good. Good. Are you excited to be back on the show? Yes, I'm so excited to be back on the show. Okay, so we we will be discussing here is the eighth movie, which is Deathly Hallows Part 2. Kelly, obviously, is the person who has read the books and seen the movies. I am the host. And then Ty. <laughs> Wait, who are you? Why are you here? My... Can Ty and I do this alone? Sure, thanks I mean, for coming. We're, we'll take this over. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it to you two. Have a great time. But Ty, what is your experience with the Harry Potter series in terms of taking it in, not reading the books, where do you fall in that full spectrum? You know, I'll tell you, it's something that I'm very proud of because I don't know if you know this, but I am legitimately dyslexic. Okay. Uh, not like the fun kind where people are like, oh man, like my numbers switch around. I'm like, this like plagued my life from fourth grade until currently. Does it bother you when people say that? I've never found that to be a cool thing when someone spells a word wrong and then they're like, oh, lol, I'm dyslexic. Like, that's not... <laughs> Well, I'm also cool. like, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> that, that isn't dyslexia. That's just you being a shitty speller. <laughs> uh, but with this, I read up to the fifth book, mm-hmm. and then the movies caught up with me. Okay. And, and at that point, I was like, well, if the movies are out now, and I don't have to read, perfect. <laughs> You're definitely not the first person that I've had on these movie episodes that has fallen under that. I think just around our age, it was a kind of thing where if the movie's caught up to you, it's like, well, I could save a whole lot of time if I just watch this film. (laughs) Well, particularly in these books, when you have like these made up words like horcrux in there, Mm -hmm. dyslexia starts to really play a game. I'm like, did I read that wrong? Or is that the word? (laughs) Oh, right. And all the weird names that she gives to everybody, too. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you, uh, there are points where you just don't know if you legitimately are reading it right or if jk rowling is just a psychopath (laughs) (laughs) i had an especially hard time more so with not knowing if a word was real or not i really struggled with knowing if something was a magic word or a british word (laughs) like i definitely thought treacle tarts were a pretend made up wizarding food (laughs) and i watched the great british bake-off that's real (laughs) yeah it's a real thing (laughs) see this is Proving your point right there. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get right into it. Let's start talking about this movie. So right off the bat, the first thing they do is basically uh, last time on Harry Potter, where (laughs) they show you Voldemort finding the Elder Wand in Dumbledore's tomb. Oh, I was in the kitchen while you played this part. Oh, did you forget that this is how it starts? I forgot that happened. (laughs) Dude, I I saw that and I was like, who is this for? Like, because... (laughs) Everyone that is going to this movie had to have just watched the episode or the movie right before just to like catch up. And I'm like, is anyone coming to the eighth movie without any context? (laughs) And what was the the time? Let's see. Deathly Hallows Part 1 came out in November of 2010. And then Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out in like June or July of 2011. Yeah. That's a year and a half where people are like, that's not even a year. Yeah. That is less than a year. 
And people are like, man, oh, what happened last time? <laughs> it had to have been out for rental by that point. So you could watch it before and just get caught up. You know, that is really impressive that these movies came out. I'm looking now. It says in America, the eighth movie came out July 15th, 2011. So that was a eight month turnaround. That is fast. That's some Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3 stuff where I guess they just filmed it all in one chunk. It's too bad that they didn't do it like uh, Titanic style where it's like you have two VHSs. You know, I would have just been cool with a three hour movie. Yeah, it was interesting. I like that they split this into two parts because I feel like it would have been really bad if it was just one movie but watching it it was very confusing still as I've complained time and time again on these movie episodes the things that they decide to spend a lot of time on they they split it wrong the battle of Hogwarts could have been a whole movie in itself for sure oh so you think that they cut it too early Uh, yeah oh yeah when would you have made the cut you would have kept going up Uh, until the battle yeah where's the book did you bring the book oh it's in my backpack can I have it real quick yes (laughs) (laughs) cut that out and pose (laughs) okay let's see where would I have done it I was listening to the audiobook today uh-huh. and I was thinking, oh, this would have been the right spot to do it. Because in the movie, they cut I it. I think post Gringotts, actually. I okay. think you could have put all of that in and like the suspense of Voldemort now knows that we are hunting Horcruxes. We've got to race to Hogwarts and beat him there, kind of thing. I think that would have been like enough suspense for the end of the first movie and leave you with enough to do in the second movie that's a very good point particularly because they're kind of like halfway through their horcrux like searching at this stage right so you kind of you're you're playing a lot of catch-up and they don't really show that part in the previously on like Mm -hmm. probably the arguably more important part (laughs) so you're just like trying to figure out okay which ones have they done how many are left like you're doing mental math the whole time Mm -hmm. yeah you get to this movie and it just feels so rushed that the culmination of everything and and I forget because I I conflate is that the right word I conflate sure. my book and movie experiences together so I kind of yes. forget what's in what yes but it's like you get to this point and it's this culmination of everything and they just rush through it mm-hmm. so quickly and I feel like I would have been confused if I hadn't if I hadn't read the books, I feel like I would have been like, wait, now what? Which one is that? And which they're doing what again? And, and like, that's why we have Ty yay! here. <laughs> For him to be like, okay, wait a second, what? Well, let let me this? ask you this. Like, as someone who's read all the books, mm-hmm. which of the movies feels like it's not rushing it? Because <laughs> even one through five, I was like, you're never going to get everything you need. I think that the seventh movie does the best job of not rushing because... It's only half of a book, so it's not as much to go through. I think the seventh movie is perfect. Seven, one, or seven, two? The seventh movie, so book seven, part one. The previous film, not the one we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the best one in terms of not rushing stuff or not cutting too much. They pretty much hit everything. I don't have any big complaints. One, two, three, and four were very much like book to movie. Well, in four, they never go to school. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> they only gotta, do the triwizard Tournament. They something. never go to class. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> like, the only class they have is when McGonagall teaches them how to dance, and that's not even in the book. That's just like PE. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I think Seven was good. And this one could have been good, but even when Kelly and I were watching it, like, they go really quickly into the battle, and then they spend a really long time in the battle, and then they just 
change everything for some reason. Yeah, are we jumping ahead here? Yeah, or let's, like... let's go. Let's go through the actual plot. This happens every time we do a movie episode. It's like, oh, we're thirty minutes in and we've not talked about the movie. So after we get this little last time on Harry Potter, they showed the logo, the Warner Brothers logo. It is at this point so gray and decayed and decrepit <laughs> that it's barely even there. There's a great meme that's going around that's like every Warner Brothers logo in the Harry Potter movies and in the first two it's just the classic like golden one with the sky in the background and then it just looks like death by, by this film. <laughs> they really want to set that tone that you're not going to be happy watching this. Yeah. It says Warner Brothers on your screen for I think about 86 minutes before it goes through. It is so slow. It's got to be the the longest I'm looking producer at, I'm looking thing. at the thing you were talking about now. It's pretty yeah. funny. It just gets gradually less and less shiny <laughs> until it's like, I'm done. It's rusting. It's falling apart. Take me home. So after they finally zoom through the Warner Brothers logo, you cut to Snape standing outside this big open window of sorts outside of Hogwarts. And you see all of the students walking in unison like they are soldiers in an army with really loud footsteps and he's just very dramatically looking at the students and then it cuts to the part where it says Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part 2 which is like why did we show this I was so confused I'm confused too I was also so confused because it's like these kids clearly are very willing to rise up so Mm -hmm. why is everyone like so down to be like militant as well that's so confusing yeah (laughs) they're pliable young adults (laughs) they could have gone either way (laughs) the problem is that in the book it talks about how a lot of the kids were rising up and fighting back and trying to stick it to the man so the fact that they'd be like yes we're very down to all walk in unison all of us yeah this is this checks out i guess neville does talk about that as well Mm -hmm. he does talk about kind of his talking back or rising up or not going into what they they wanted him to do so i get that yeah i mean outwardly you have to fall in line to a certain extent. To not get whipped to or attacked get, or all this other stuff. Yeah, to not get like thrown out of school. Like you're going to be no use if you're thrown out of school. So you have to at least appear as if you're falling in line. I guess. That's yeah. a good point. And of course, it's all for effect. It's a movie. <laughs> 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 They're just trying to set the scene. No, the kids no, are no, sad. No. It's we not happy times. this. <laughs> I have made a career off of this. So so the next thing they show you is the Dobby grave, which is so sad. I did the biggest 180 of I hated Dobby when he was first introduced. I have such a soft spot for him now. And even knowing it, once it shows up in the film, I was just oh, like like it tugged at the heartstrings to see it. Yeah, particularly just like when you consider the relationships that wizards have had with house elves for so long. It's like, oh, wow, this is like a really sweet moment of someone like tree. Cause he was like, we're going to bury him without magic. Yeah. Just using a shovel is just like very being true to that person. Like, you know, we're going to put the time and put the effort mm-hmm. and let you know how much respect that he had for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. touching for sure. So they go into the house and the squad is approaching grip hook to talk to him about the sort of Gryffindor and all of that. And they, they cut to grip hook just sitting on a chair and I don't know if he's asleep or just chilling <laughs> with his eyes closed. <laughs> I talked about this in an episode of Horse Kelly. Hopefully, this is okay. We're talking like what? <laughs> well, you remember when we were hanging with your family in Canada, and yeah. oh, and your what? dad was just sitting in a chair doing nothing, <laughs> <laughs> like didn't have a book, didn't have a phone, no newspaper. He was just sitting. He does that sometimes. <laughs> like, is this grip hook just being a dad? <laughs> just I don't I'm know. Sitting in this Deep chair. <laughs> I I'm astounded sometimes by the amount of time my dad can sit without 
any form of entertainment, like or just like something to do. Do you know what he's doing in there? Is he? I, is I, he he's must thinking be thinking about, about something. That but is like, and such a dad move, though, of just <laughs> sitting so sure in of silence in a chair like that. You know, what I mean? like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at our wedding, it was me, my best man, the guy officiating, and my dad all sitting in a circle just talking. And we're all chatting, and my dad just has a newspaper straight up in front of him, not engaging at all until every once in a while he'll put it down, <laughs> look at all of us, kind of giggle, throw it back up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> On your most important yeah, day it's of like your life. Stone Cold Pop, dang. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad doesn't even have a newspaper. Like, <laughs> we, were, we were sitting. Uh, I was playing my- the Harry Potter ball moving game. Oh, you're talking Ooh. about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's this game where... It's the levitating game. The levitating game. It's this old thing from the 90s where it's got like a fan inside of it. It makes this really loud noise. And then you have this tiny little plastic, smaller ping pong ball, basically. And you have to get it to float around a circle and avoid obstacles and all of that. That's magic, baby. Yeah, it's fantastic. And they have a little narrator who's not Snape, but is Snape. In the background. <laughs> After you finish, because you have to do a full loop, it's a circle, based on how quickly you go, it says what your ranking is. They have all these different tiers. So if you take too long, it'll just be like, pitiful performance. (laughs) And it's really harsh. hurting kids' feelings. (laughs) (laughs) So I was playing this. Kelly, go on. Oh, no. I was going to say, maybe it's a generational thing. Mm. Because we have to have our phones or our computers. Like, maybe we don't think as much (laughs) as our parents did but i can't imagine sitting there he doesn't have a newspaper he doesn't have a book Mm -mm. after a while sometimes he'll go get like a notepad and a pen yeah but he'll just he'll sit there for a very long time just i'm assuming thinking and observing but yeah maybe it's because we rely on our phones i'd love to see a meme of just like take a picture of your dad doing that next time put it side by side (laughs) With these two and just like dad energy, you know, yeah, him and Grip Hook. your dad and Grip Hook, same dad energy. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely a generational thing. I, that's podcasts are here so that people don't have to be alone in their thoughts. True. <laughs> that's, true. That's why, like that's the worst is when you're, I don't know, going to run some errands and then your headphones, either you don't bring oh, them or yeah. your wireless ones die and you're like, oh no, I got to like. I got to think about stuff now. Oh my gosh. Or when you go to the gym and your headphones Well, die? that's bad because you have- That's the worst. B- the gym that we go to, they oh, have the worst music. It is constant Maroon 5, but not the old Maroon 5. It's Ooh, the new yeah, Maroon yeah. 5 no, songs. No, it's not even Maroon 5 anymore. It's like- Like that's the best song you're going to hear yes. is the is the new Maroon 5 songs, which are all bad. But yeah, they're just like some awful it's like generic EDM. Pop Roach. And, oh, I wish it was Papa Roach. It's just like, it's music that you can I, tell is new. I wish it was Papa Roach is a sentence. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. I would get hyped. Like, that'd be great. No, it's like the- have to follow two rules is what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. One, they have to have some kind of a license to listen to this song or it has to be on the radio so it's current. Mm-hmm. Right. And two, it can't curse, it can't be too thoughtful or deep <laughs> and it has to be sickly positive. Yeah. Like sicking, it's, just, it's like I'm all about positivity but it just has to be the worst kind of positivity, like the in-your-face, I know this is not genuine positivity. That's the qualifications to be a song played at the Blink Gym. Mm-hmm. You can beep out Blink no, if you want. Today's episode of Potter is brought to you by Planet <laughs> Fitness. Uh, anyway, Harry Potter. So I had no idea if Grip Hook was asleep or just chilling, but he wakes up and Harry goes over to him and says, how are you? And he says, 
alive, which, okay, bud. Yeah, dude, <laughs> dramatic. They so just dramatic. saved you too, dude. <laughs> like, <go on. laughs> Drama king. Also, a fun fact is that the actor who plays Grip Hook is the same actor who plays Flitwick. Yes. No way. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's Warwick Davis in both roles. Wow. Because they had to replace, because Grip Hook is actually in the first movie. You know who plays Grip Hook in the first movie? Who? Vern Troyer. No. A.K.A. Mini-Me. From Austin Powers. Oh, yeah, you said this yesterday. It, it went right over my head. I was flabbergasted. Wow. And had, had he passed away by the time? Yeah, he had passed away in between. Gotcha. It makes sense because Warwick Davis is very good. But this whole conversation between Griphook and Harry, Griphook is killing it. I thought it was very good. It was very convincing. You can sense his disdain for wizards as a whole, how goblins are disrespected and all of that. And I was like, who is this guy? He's really good. And then it said Warwick Davis. And I was like, that's not right. That's Flitwick. Come on, Google. <laughs> not everyone's the same. And then after some more Googling, I guess it's, it's the same guy in both roles. Makeup or something. Yeah, it's just a lot of the facial prosthetics yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and he's got weird teeth and fully yes. black eyes. So right. you take those features away from anybody, they're not going to be recognizable. Exactly. <laughs> but one of the back and forths that I really did appreciate is that Griphook asks Harry, How did you get the sword? And Harry says it's complicated. And then Harry asks him, Why does Bellatrix think that it should be in her vault? And Griphook hits him right back with, It's complicated. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a <laughs> they're like a back. bickering couple. <laughs> Uh, it was great. They have this conversation with Griphook. They do the whole sword thing. They eventually get to the point where it seems like he's going to help them out, but there's that level of suspicion where you're not sure. And it's similar to how they do this in the book, but I feel like in the book it it went on a little bit longer and yeah. it was more obvious for the level of distrust. I also didn't yeah. quite understand. Like, So I get what they're exchanging. He's saying, I'll get you in there if you give me the sword. And then they're nervously discussing like, okay, well, how are we going to destroy the Horcrux without the sword? And it's like, can't you give him the sword after you destroy it? <laughs> Does it have to <laughs> yeah. be an instant exchange of goods? I'm pretty sure in the book that they talk about doing this. So in the book, they, Griphook makes this proposal to them and then they come back. And the idea is that Harry is going to vaguely say, we will give you the sword but not put a time limit on it. And the idea, his idea was actually, let's keep it until all the Horcruxes are destroyed, not just this one. Let's keep it till we've destroyed them all. And Hermione's like, but that could be years. And he's like, well. Tough shit. Like, I will make sure that he gets it. I promise I'll make sure he gets it. But he is purposely very vague it's about It's a classic half when. lie. It's right. just, I'm not going to be super specific. I'm not lying. Right. I'm just leading him on. Well, it's an equally dick move as when... Uh, I, I forget the goblin's name. What is his name? Griphook. Griphook. When Griphook is like, I never said I'd get you out. Yeah. I know that's horrible. Well, you know what? <laughs> Harry got what he deserved because he was going to do the same thing to him. Yeah, that, yeah. that too. That too. In the book, they go through this whole thing because you kind of forget that Bill worked with Griphook. He, mm -hmm. They were like co-workers. <laughs> it's kind of a weird co-worker yeah. injured staying in your house. Mm -hmm. Your acquaintances, you're not friends, but you're... <laughs> bring him back anyway but he has this he has this conversation with bill where bill's like discussing that goblins have a different idea of what ownership is yes and treat treasure and payment very differently than humans mm -hmm. which i thought was a really great conversation it was I, really good. i would like to see because it's like also talking about that's when they really get into humans wrote their history different than goblins wrote their history and neither history is entirely accurate and it gets into this kind of like 
racist warfare that is going on between not just like muggles and wizards, but also between the other like different types of creatures. Yeah. All that's in the book? Yes. yes. <laughs> this whole conversation, all of that. You get into the deeper meaning of just what this wizarding war is doing for all of the different races of magical beings mm-hmm. that are out there. Well, let me ask you this. I'm curious then, what are the stakes for the goblins in, in this kind of like dark versus good wizarding scenario? It's not that they have huge stakes. It's more of the goblins have thought that the wizards have been too full of themselves and too wizarding centric. So they're a little bit happy, like some more extreme goblins. I don't know the grip hook necessarily falls this way, but some of the goblins are kind of okay with the wizards getting, you know, things go wrong for them because they were rude to the goblins. And as Kelly pointed out, a big difference of opinion between wizards and goblins is that goblins think ownership. If someone made something like the sort of Gryffindor is goblin made, thus it should be goblin owned. Whereas wizards say, oh, you know, we purchased this or we've owned this most recently was handed down to me from generations. We own this. So that is a big sticking point between them. The goblins are kind of like keeping their feet out of it. Because um, wizards weren't super nice to them. Well, in the book, Griphook and Hermione get into an argument mm-hmm. about how, like, Hermione's like, nobody wants Voldemort defeated more than us. And Griphook is talking about how the goblins are treated even worse. They're mm-hmm. treated, like, even less. I'm sure that there are some of them that have turned full evil, but they have a lesser status under Voldemort's regime than even under like just normal wizard regime and like part of it is that they are now instituting wizards as part of the security at Gringotts when previously Gringotts was fully run by the goblins Mm -hmm. and they're like really resentful of that because they don't think that wizards should be in charge of gold and treasures and precious things like that and so that's like one thing that they point out in the book gotcha a little extra slap in the face yeah yeah so it does sound like they've got it worse off but like Mike was saying some of them are like well you've got it bad too now we're not the only ones (laughs) who have it bad there's also a fun conversation that gets cut between Harry and Bill because Bill has no idea what they're doing. So Bill tries to talk to Harry and be like, hey, Harry, I know something's up. Are you sure you don't want to tell me? And Harry's like, nah, dude, I can't. But why doesn't he ask Bill for help? He can trust Bill, and Bill worked there. Why doesn't he ask him for help? Bill's got narky vibes, dude. (laughs) (laughs) More so than Grip Hook? Harry Potter, not known for making wise decisions. That's right. (laughs) So they finish talking with Grip Hook, and then they go to talk to Ollivander about the Deathly Hallows. And Ollivander looks like a washed up up lead singer of an 80s hair metal band. (laughs) (laughs) Like He looks like he's just did his 12th reunion tour for Def Leppard and he's seen better days. Just silky locks. Just looking (laughs) great. But such a haggard, weathered, leathery face. And Harry talks to him about the Deathly Hallows and this is something that differs between books and movies because in the movie, Ollivander knows everything about the Deathly Hallows and talks about them. Mm. And in the book, it's just a conversation about the Elder Wand mm-hmm. and he knows everything about that. And then when Harry asks him, do you know about the Deathly Hallows? And Ollivander goes, the Deathly what? And then Harry goes, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> There's so much exposition in this movie too. Like when you're looking for it, you see it so frequently where they need to make sure the whole audience understands what it is we're talking about. So they'll say something like, very presumptuous, like, well, of course you know about this. Yeah. And then every time it's like, no, tell me about it. I would just love for once for them just to be like, 
yep, <laughs> just keep moving <laughs> on. The, the thing that I've realized with, especially in these movie series, movies six, seven, and eight are the three most that are hurt by not having a narrator. I didn't realize until watching the movies how important the narrator of the books is to mm. understanding stuff. Because like you're saying, Ty, you have to find a way to be in a conversation where you explain everything. And a very common thing that they do in these movies is kind of like what they've done here with Ollivander, where in the book he did not know this thing, but... It has to be described. So a way to make it faster is just, yeah, this guy knows about this thing and he's going to tell <laughs> Harry about this thing right. because then the viewer knows about this thing too. All A lot of these gripes of, oh, they didn't do this or they didn't know this. It makes sense. It's necessary. But, yeah, right. it's necessary for comprehension it's of the It's also necessary because they backed themselves into a corner story-wise with certain things. Yeah. To close out this conversation is a line that I think was added in the movie, Kelly, you Please help me. I don't know that this is in the book. When Ollivander's like, oh, if Voldemort gets the Elder Wand, you guys are just screwed. You don't really have a chance. And then Harry says, I'll have to kill him before he finds me. <laughs> does, he, does he say that in the book? No. Okay. Ollivander says something similar, but Harry doesn't say that. Yeah, he doesn't Harry, show his cards quite that Harry doesn't that become plainly. Rambo no. <laughs> mixed with John McClane. Yeah, I was like, is that legitimately your plan? <laughs> are you literally going to just be hiding it and then try to kill him? <laughs> yeah. Like I'll get the higher ground and hide behind a bush. Because, right? <laughs> like, you clearly know that's not going to work, right? This is the most powerful yeah. wizard. You're just going to sneak up on him. I don't know if you've read the books, Harry, but Voldemort's a little scary. <laughs> I don't know if you've read the books, Harry. <laughs> I don't know if Harry's read the books, but I do know someone who has. It's past Mike. Hey, past Mike, let's take a little bit of a break for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode is brought to you by another podcast that I've created, Modern Muckraker. If you enjoy podcasts that I make, but you want something a little bit different, you might enjoy Modern Muckraker. Modern Muckraker is a scripted show that I created with a wonderful team where I play the role of an investigative journalist who believes that he is completing the world's most important research, but in actuality, the questions that he is answering are things such as, when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? This will sound like you're listening to one of those profound podcasts from reputable news sources, but inherently the questions that we are answering are very silly, but the experts that we talk to in order to answer these questions are very real. It's a fun time. The sound design is fantastic. I am very biased, but I think it's a great podcast. I think you'll think so as well. If you want to listen to it, you can search for Modern Muckraker wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to our website, modernmuck.com. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the 
Marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can right get 10% off get, your first purchase right now, by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards or want to open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So the next scene after is them doing their big plan to break into Gringotts, which involves Hermione using Polyjuice Potion because she has a hair of Bellatrix left on her sweater or something so that she can disguise herself as Bellatrix to break in. That was bullshit. Was real risky. <laughs> it's very convenient. Like, are you sure it's hers? And she says something like, absolutely, like 100%. I'm like, there's no way you can be. <laughs> Which is like, especially didn't funny. did you turn into a cat before exactly. by Exactly. Like- in, in the second book, she turned into a cat when she thought she had somebody's hair, but it was their cat's hair. Yeah, it, it's it's this type of just blind confidence that is, is something that'd be <laughs> worrisome for me going into this. <laughs> but you get this incredible bit of acting where you have Helena Bonham Carter, Acting as Hermione, acting as Bellatrix, yeah. which is some incredible she did really, inception really well. stuff. I yeah, literally she did really said well. that out loud. My wife and I were watching. I was like, this is so weird to watch because you can just tell the layers this actor is going through. Like just physically, she walks differently than when she yeah. is herself, you know? It's very good. It's comparative to when... Um Harry is the, or Daniel Radcliffe is the seven Harrys in the beginning of the seventh, which I thought was really great too. I'm glad you took note of this because I did not talk about this in the movie seven episodes. And a lot of people are like, how could you not talk about Daniel Radcliffe's incredible performance as being seven people pretending to be him? So good. Being a shirtless guy in a bra. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, give him the Oscar for that. (laughs) Come on. I thought his dung was one of the best ones. His when he was Fletcher. when he was Mundungus Fletcher, yeah, I thought that was very good. good. <laughs> now, can I ask you guys a question here? Yes, uh-huh. you can. Polyjuice potion. I'm yes. kind of shocked that your voice doesn't 
adapt to that person's. Don't worry. In the books, the voice does change. In the movie, the voice does not change. And I believe they did this just to make it easier on the viewer to have it make more sense. Because when you're reading a book, the narrator can continue to say, Hermione disguises Bellatrix, Mm -hmm. and it makes it easy. Whereas when you're watching a movie, especially a kid's movie, it's just easier to have the voice. But it does then present some wrinkles because when they eventually get to Gringotts and... No, I do not understand. (laughs) (laughs) And Hermione is as Bellatrix and she goes, I'd like to access my vault. And then the guy looks up. I'd like to access my vault. (laughs) (laughs) The goblin looks up. It's like, oh, Bellatrix, I didn't recognize you. Oh, yeah. Was it because I sound like a 17 or 18-year-old girl. <laughs> exactly. That could be a slight factor. And they've been doing this for so long. It's like, it just feels like that's another layer of getting caught that would kind of make it like a fun element, a fun thing to play off of, and they don't even recognize it. Yeah. It's something that makes sense for the movie, but then it also introduces some plot holes that don't make sense. So it's interesting. This was the line in the book that I made note as I was uh, reading earlier today. Uh When he first sees Hermione as Bellatrix, he says, but then she spoke and he heard Hermione through Bellatrix's low voice. Oh, yeah. See, that would have been (laughs) fun. That's something I thought would have been really fun is if you had Helena Bonham Carter using her actual voice to talk like Hermione being afraid of talking like Bellatrix, like yes. make the inception even further. Yeah. And if there's anyone that could have nailed that, it's Helena Bonham Carter. She would have destroyed that. And you can see that she would be totally capable with her acting. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's so obvious that she's like got that down that it would have just added another layer of like just beautiful acting chops. Right. Yeah. But I do think that I was watching her lips this time while I was watching it to mm-hmm. see if there was any point where it doesn't match up perfectly. Uh-huh. And it, they did a very good job of like the hesitations and the cadence of Hermione speaking mm-hmm. is right on with her lips. Yeah. And so Helena Bonham Carter weirdly you pointed this out when we were watching it, Kelly. You said she looks like Hermione. Like yeah. she the way she walks and Obviously, there's the scenes where she can't walk on the heels and stuff, but the just her general way that she holds her posture yes. and makes facial expressions, it's very Emma Watson-esque. Right. Even her eyes. I was yeah. watching her eyes. I was just like, whoa, it's just such a subtle thing that really popped out on screen. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really good. If I ever got to interview Helena Bonham Carter, I think I would only ask about that part. <laughs> that may be the hair. How much of the hair was real? How much was a wig? <laughs> what was it like? <laughs> Was it itchy? Yes. Is the I had to have been. Oh, so some of my notes here, Kelly, are Kelly notes oh, to thank make sure you. that you're yeah, talking Mike about Mike was taking my notes for me during the movie. <laughs> and you'll talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> like things I was saying out loud while we were watching the movie that he was like, I'm going to start a notes section for you because you're obviously not taking notes. <laughs> well, because there's nothing worse than when you're in school and you tell a joke and then someone tells that joke louder than you and yeah, then they get all of the my laughs. Jokes, Mike. So I'm making sure. Thing. Didn't I come up with that name? <laughs> no, you didn't. I came up with it. I was the guy that just said the joke louder in school. <laughs> oh, no. Well, your voice is very, oh. carries a long way. Yeah, yeah. I was the one whose joke was said louder. <laughs> your voice, very quiet. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that if I made a good point or a good note that it was not given credit to me, all credit should go to you. Thank you. What's my point? Your point that you made 
played, Kelly, <laughs> was that you can see the invisibility cloak in the background while they're walking. Oh, yeah, you can see their feet and you can see the ripples of the invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Oh, d- I didn't notice the feet, but the, the ripples mm-hmm. I did think was interesting. And mm-hmm. This is the invisibility cloak that they're talking about in the Deathly Hallows, right? Yes. So it's supposed to be perfect. Like there are other disguise charms and things that you can do, but the general understanding is that those are not great and there's ways around them, whereas the invisibility cloak is untouchably perfect at making you invisible unless you're mad eye moody and you have a magical eye i don't think it's a problem with the cloak i think it's that he's too tall now Mm -hmm. and he's kicking the bottom of it up and there's also three people or two people underneath because it's harry with grip hook on his back yeah right good point but it is interesting that the cloak originally was made for a full-grown man. That's true. So even though he has <laughs> gotten true. bigger, uh, arguably, maybe, it still should Maybe fit. the guy was really short. That brother was really short. <laughs> and he was feeling really, like, grumpy about it. Like, nobody else can fit in my cloak. Right, right, right. He wanted to make sure he was the Perfectly only one. Perfectly tailored to his body. <laughs> he, like, just ran out of invisible thread right when he got to that point where it wouldn't cover his toes anymore. And he's like, oh, well, <laughs> where'd my invisible thread go? I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the king midas story right where yeah, he's naked yeah. and they say oh no no you have the uh oh, yeah. <laughs> you're wearing uh no one else can well, see this invisible I... thread you're wearing i think i was telling that story to somebody the other day it's always fun to take stories i guess this is like this is what harry Potter, what potterless is it's fun to tell stories to kids for the first time that, oh, for yeah. stories they've never heard before well, that a, you've heard I'm a child. your entire life. And I just realized that's exactly what Potterless <laughs> is. But I told the King Midas story to a kid the other day. <laughs> uh, I read Rory Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, my niece Aurora, who's three. I read her Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, <laughs> uh, which I don't know if it was for the first time, but it was the first time I read it in a while. Yo, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom slaps. <laughs> How has that not been turned into a rap song? They're, like Chicka Chicka Boom Boom is serious bars. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching um, the Frozen Christmas special with Aurora, <laughs> oh, yeah. and it was my first time watching it, and it was her, like, hundredth time watching it. That day. <laughs> but, like, there were parts of it that were really funny, <laughs> like, really exciting, but I would laugh at something, and she would stare at me. And <laughs> Now's like, not the time I, to laugh. <laughs> I was like, I, I realized, like, halfway through that she was observing me to feel figure out what my reactions were so she was watching me watch the movie which is exactly what i do to mike when he's doing harry potter things oh my god i'm like watching i do that when i have a video i want to show somebody and i've seen oh, it before yes. oh, while yeah. they're watching i'm just living vicariously through them oh yeah so it's please like laugh, when laugh, they're laugh, laughing laugh, it's, laugh, as, it's as if it's the first time i get to see it again <laughs> yeah that's what i'm doing with uh mike and lord of the rings right now mm. a lot of laughter in there yeah <laughs> oh yeah so many well, so much I, comic relief. I did laugh out loud when Legolas got on his uh, shield and rode it like a fucking skateboard <laughs> down a flight shit. of stairs. I was like, did this movie come out in 2006? Because yes, this is peak did. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 right this now. This is peak triple X movie right now. <laughs> SSX tricky I right here. I thought that was the coolest. I straight up <laughs> tried to do that when I was a kid at my home. <laughs> I took a, a basket for uh, for clothes and, try, and literally just like, put it on the edge of the stairs, stood in it, and instantly just fell straight down the stairs. 
It doesn't work. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Harry Potter. Uh, Ron's disguise, absolutely nothing. (laughs) He's just got like crimped hair and a beard that looks not great. It's, it's, uh, I get that they're not in a place where they would be recognized, but he looks exactly like Ron Weasley. (laughs) In the book, they make him a foreigner. Yes. So that he doesn't have to ever speak to anybody. But he does run into a Death Eater. I'm not sure if it's Yaxley or Dollar. Travers. 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 Runs into Travers, and then the guy won't shake Ron's hand because they say he's from Transylvania or something. Oh, was that a thing? Yeah, he's, he, he won't shake. He won't it. shake his hand because he's afraid. Which is funny because you have Travers, a racist. <laughs> he won't shake this person's hand because they're from a different country. But Bellatrix that says that. To me. Well, yeah. So that's so he's xenophobic, <laughs> but but he's not okay with. The guy is supposed to be Beltrix's friend, so he's supposed to be a fellow racist. But he's like, ah. You're not my no, kind, not of my kind of racist. You're the wrong kind of racist for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the security guard, Kelly, this is another Kelly note. The security oh. guard's tie was tucked into his belt buckle. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see this. Was it inside the buckle or just inside of his pants? I think it was inside his pants, and he had a huge belt buckle in front uh-huh. of it. So it looked like it was tucked into the buckle. Rookie mistake. It was so weird. Wow, I, I missed that. But that's kind of like a fashion choice, though, you know? That yeah. is a bold oh, yeah. choice to make. This was like my hundredth time watching the movie, so mm-hmm. I had to look for new things. <laughs> well, that doesn't accidentally happen. That guy's out there no. trying to start a new trend. It's not mm-hmm. catching on. <laughs> so then Harry goes up. He is in the cloak. He does the Imperio thing to make him able to control the goblin's decisions. But it comes out as a weird perfume. And then this is something I want to ask you, Ty. What did you think happens with this perfume? Like, what did you think Imperio does? Straight up, I was like, this dude's on Molly. Like, this is what is going on right now because the euphoric element of this. But, like, it had to have erased his mind, too, because it's not just him being all happy all of a sudden. Like, he straight up has no clue what's going on. Is that right? So that's the vibe that it gives off in the movie, which I think is incorrect. Imperio, what it's supposed to do in the book is that it gives the person who casts it, so Harry in this case, the ability to make someone else do whatever they want. And it's less about having amnesia and all of this, oh, what happened? But it's more of just someone else is controlling your actions. Some people can fight against it, like Harry Potter, but that's what it's supposed to be. And I don't think they did a very good job of conveying that in the movie. So this guy knows then that he's being controlled. Is that the case? It's hard. It should be. It should be. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a voice inside your head that's just telling you to do stuff. And then some people are more susceptible to it than others. Well, Because he blows that as soon as they get inside of there and it wears off. And he's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing here? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I don't think is how it's done in the no. book. No. No, it's not how it's done in the book. No. So I, I thought it was interesting the way that they made Imperio in the film. Uh, we get on to another Kelly note, which no. is that when they go into the vault and they're going on the mine car, which is vastly different from the mine car that they oh, rode yeah. in the first movie. Nope. Uh, now it's this big roller coaster with multiple wheels and the thing, the track <laughs> spins, but the car stays in Pretty place. Pretty cool. Kelly says that this is what the ride at Universal Studios should have been, oh, which yeah. I agree because that ride is just worse than Mummy. I yeah. don't know if you've ever been on this one, Ty. I have not, no. <laughs> okay. Have you been to Universal? You know, I have not been since... When the Back to the Future ride was there, so oh, I miss ago. it. Gosh. I don't even know that one. It's what the Simpsons ride is now. That's right, oh. and it's very sad. which we didn't go on. Right? No, because the Simpsons ride gives me a headache 
every single time I go on it. Okay. Without fail. Interesting. It's just a, it's not you usually, the, you usually don't get headaches. No, I don't. That's how bad of motion Ooh, blur okay. Yeah, then I shouldn't go on. on it. No, you should not. That's why we did not do it. And instead we rode the mummy 13 times. Perfect. <laughs> it's a great ride. Yeah, the Grigots ride should have been this because that mm-hmm. car was cool. Yeah. L- let me ask you this about the car. What I didn't understand was why it stopped. Like, what was going on? Like, the the alarm went off and dumped him out? Right. So this is something that they, again, don't explain well. So you have a waterfall inside of the vaults that is a security measure. And in the book, what happens is while they're going, some of the Imperio wears off and people get that they're sneaking into the vault. So someone tells them to turn on the waterfall system. What? Right. They like they get caught. It's not the waterfall's not on. The waterfall it's like, is on. No, but it, it's it's like I thought it was turned on because they were found out. Talking about in the book or yes, in, in the, the book. In the book, mm-hmm. Grip Hook says they've got more defenses up than normal because they are on high oh, alert. It's okay. not because they've been found out, but it's okay. because everybody's on high alert because they feel like they've gotten like a warning that Harry might be coming kind of thing. Do you know the name of the waterfall? The Thieves' Downfall. Thieves' Damn. Downfall. I knew it was a sick pun. So <laughs> in the book, they describe it. It is a waterfall that will remove any sort of disguise. So that's why Hermione goes from being disguised as Bellatrix oh, back into Hermione. God. That's why Ron's disguise goes away, and that's why the Wears off. I literally just thought as I was watching, so they do go through that waterfall. I was like, right. why the fuck would they place a waterfall in the middle of this track? Like, <laughs> that's just really poorly designed. It's a sweet ride, dude. You know, 4D, <laughs> gotta get you splashed. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to remove any enchantments. Right. In the book, I don't think it stops the car. No, it does not. Yeah, but in the movie, this waterfall detects that it has removed enchantments and therefore and the little siren alarm. comes the up and it's like, like meh, 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 and then so poops them out of the mine car reminds me of something out of wally or <laughs> i'm just always so shocked in these movies and i guess in the books too how like willing the world is to like it's like really poorly designed shit yeah <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> it's a lot of uh style over substance in terms of design if hermione yeah. had not like said that, that that charm as they were falling that would be the end of the movie. They would have all just died right then and there. <laughs> Another thing, a note that I had about the charm, was it super necessary to have the camera in a way that what's right in front of your face in the camera is Hermione's cleavage? Did we need to do that? I did not notice that. When they all do the thing where they all fly down and then it's Mission Impossible, yep. like, right in your face is just like, here's Emma Watson's boobs, everybody. Didn't notice that. Like, <laughs> I'm assuming she was of age when they filmed this. She's not like actually 17 or 18, but like, it felt unnecessarily gross. Probably so, but again, I didn't notice it. <laughs> I was also thinking, I was like, now that the charm has gone off, like, shouldn't she not fit in the clothes in the same way as before, too? Huh. It all felt True. very weird. Yeah, that's, that's something that is always inconsistent with Polyjuice Potion, at least in the movies. Cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just the things are not supposed to fit. It's something in the book that they make a fun point of because at one point when Harry in book seven is disguised as someone, he's this comically tall person, so he's unsure of how to use the body. So yeah, I don't imagine that Emma Watson and Helena Bonham Carter are the exact same height and dimensions, but the dress fits perfectly on Hermione. Yeah, that was a a choice by the the director for sure. Yeah, they're like, well, we got to put Emma Watson in a corset for this movie. (laughs) Got to get people out into the seats. Butts and seats. (laughs) So Ron then does the Imperio 
on the other goblin that is working there because it wears off from the water. That does not happen in the book. In the book, Harry does it a second time. So I thought it was interesting that they decided to make Ron do it in the movie. Oh, yeah, that was weird. It's something that I'm glad they've done in this movie, and I think they were slacking for the first seven, is that Ron is just a bumbling idiot in the first seven Mm. movies, and he's incredibly incompetent, which is not fair to Ron, because as a character, he's much more competent. In this movie, Ron is like, on top of stuff throughout the film. So I guess, I don't know if they got complaints or something, but David Yates was like, yeah, we got to make Ron incredibly competent here. (laughs) Give him some stuff, which I appreciate. Well, I imagine too, he he needed to really show off some like him being his, like a hero for himself. And particularly Mm -hmm. when they're setting up him and Emma Watson starting to have that, that interest. It's like, we got to see him doing some cool stuff. Makes I also sense. think it makes more sense. Like he had a big character development piece when he left and yes. had some time to think about his actions and then came back. That was a really big character development piece for him. So maybe they're continuing that arc by now showing his like competency and his willingness to step forward and kind of like not just fade into the background. Yeah. I'm glad that Ron is getting his due. It's about time. Yeah. (laughs) I like Ron. (laughs) So they go into the vault and it looks dope. The vault is so sweet. I love how cool it looks here. And the other thing that's really cool is the way they do the multiplying effect. It's the Jiminio curse, right? Yeah, it looks cool. So cool. But Ty, here's something that they level it up in the book. So in the movie, it's not as intense. In the book, not only does stuff multiply, but all of the metal items are piping hot and it's like burning them. Oh my God. Yeah. Which That's is way so worse. much more gnarly. Yeah. Super gnarly. I still, it is almost completely gone, but I still to this day have a scar on my wrist from a crappy Ikea pot. Uh, so I cannot imagine that times a million. Well, particularly because they're like literally drowning in the stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it's intensified in the movie because there is no piping hotness that they really got to go with. The threat of it is that they're going to drown in it. But yeah, it's so much more intense to have all of those things also be scalding hot. Yeah. When does that multiplying end, by the way? Like- that seems like a very like convenient thing to do, <laughs> uh, particularly if you just like that feels like anyone could just make themselves rich that way. Well, I think it's probably like leprechaun gold ah. in that the duplicates disappear eventually. Right. Maybe like when the door opens or something like that. Or it's a thing disappear. where the person who cast it, they can uncast it yeah, or something. Yeah, at any time or yeah. something like that. But the visual effects team did a very good job because it I was just, super sweet. Yeah, I just had a really horrible vision in my head of what death... Oh good, please say it on the podcast so that <laughs> millions of people can listen. Really vividly too. <laughs> they wouldn't drown in the metal. They would be compressed by the metal. Wow. Oh, like crushed. Yeah. They'd be crushed by it. They wouldn't drown. There'd be enough air, but they would be literally crushed by it. Cool. That'd be a pretty horrible death. Not a good way to go out. Not a at good all. way. No. Thanks, Grip Hook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Open the door. <laughs> so he doesn't go full evil in the book like he does in the movie, where he's like, I never said I'd get you out. Yeah. In the book, he just kind of like slips away into the crowd of goblins with the sword. With the sword. I also right. don't get, though, why is he so eager to like run out of there? Because he hadn't called the group yet where he yells out, like, there's intruders in here or whatever. So, like, why is he turning evil so quickly? It doesn't really make sense because in the book he doesn't. <laughs> well, I think he sees the writing on the wall. I mean, they're surrounded and he's like, I'm going to get what's mine and get out now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like I'm against Harry Potter all of a sudden. It's more of like 
I see my way out and I'm going to take it. Yeah. It's more of, I've got the thing that I want. I'm looking out for number one. I think that that thought process for Griphook is laid out a little bit better in the books, but in the movie, he becomes evil and it doesn't make sense. All of a sudden. (laughs) On a dime. (laughs) He's like, I'm evil now. Uh I never thought I'd get you out, Shay. So then you've got the goblin that they had imperioed still in his Molly weird state. Just tripping balls. He thinks he he has the shakers, but he doesn't. And then he just gets straight up torched. Yeah. The dragon. I did. I, I sadly laughed out loud in that moment. I oh, like, I did the too. The problem is, is it's a comedic it's thing. It's kind of funny. But it's not <laughs> that comedic when you think about it. Because he doesn't just get burnt. He gets obliterated by the fire. And arguably, he we don't know if he's a bad guy or not. Like, we're just yeah. down for this dude to be completely obliterated. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we shouldn't be laughing at it because he's probably a normal dude. Like, that guy's got a family, You can, I guess. I don't know. He has friends. Well, goblins at home. You know what? It just shows the gap between humans and goblins. And there we're perpetuating is. it right now. Exactly. So the next cut is something that I was very happy that they did. When I recorded the book episode about this part when it was this chapter in the book, in the book episode, I said that I really needed a scene where they just showed the bankers going about their business and it's very calm yeah. and normal. <laughs> and then I was like, please have that music, that elevator music. They're like, do, 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 do. <laughs> and then the dragon like, like break in. So they did almost that. Everything except for having the elevator song is, you know, you've I'm got pretty the sure the elevator working. song that you just made up was a BTS song. No, that's a classic. It's no. like, and she passes, each man she passes goes. Ah, I'm going to say Google every man she passes goes ah song. <laughs> I'd be worried about that, Google. The girl from Ipanema? What? The girl from Ipanema. I'm, hold on, I'm pulling up this very old video. Oh, this one. Yeah. I thought you went... No, I was not singing a BTS song, Kelly. I was very... Always got to work it I've into the podcast. infiltrated his mind. <laughs> Kelly's obsessed with Korean pop group BTS, thanks to me showing her them, being like, hey, look at this song. And now we have gold star member tickets to see them wow. in New York. They were <laughs> quite expensive <laughs> but i'm excited quite stressful too do you guys know the k-pop group big bang i do not kelly are you familiar with big i think bang? i've heard of them but i don't know them when i was in college they were kind of the, f- the first wave of k-pop coming to the u.s in like boy band style okay and to this day I, i'm just like do you guys know who g dragon is <laughs> <laughs> no i did not know how much i knew about k-pop until this one moment <laughs> I'll just say, check it out. If you like uh, BTS, you're gonna you're gonna like Big Bang. All right, I'll All right. listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> I've we'll often see. said that I don't have like Spotify is always trying to suggest other K-pop to me, and I just I always I'm like I don't have room in my life <laughs> for loving another group this much. I just don't. <laughs> I can't deal with it. <laughs> but I also, I like Blackpink now too. They're a girl group. They're yes. a girl group. Okay. Okay. One so guy okay. group, one, one girl group. And you're done. I'm done. <laughs> the next note I have is a Kelly note. You said that oh, this, see, oh. I was going to say, mm-hmm. in the books, mm-hmm. 
Harry is the one who thinks about riding the dragon out. And in the yes. movie, oh. he gets overshined by Hermione, which I thought was a little bit mean. Hermione's got everything. She and this does is the get all the point. good stuff, and I don't like it. And this is one point where Harry was actually incredibly, like, he's showing that side of book Harry that is, like, think on his feet, right. very good under pressure. Mm-hmm. And Hermione is supposed to be very bad under pressure. Mm-hmm. And they give her this moment, and I was like, wait. It doesn't make sense. That's Harry's thing. It doesn't make sense. What I love is that it's the peak Harry Potter decision because it's always... A dangerous one. Yeah, a dangerous idea that doesn't make too much sense. But usually what happens is he comes up with a quick idea and then Hermione reasons him out of it. But in this situation, it's such high stress that he comes up with the idea and then they just have to go... Okay. Oh, I guess so. And then they do it. <laughs> so it's it's sad that... Uh, she gets that point in the movie, which she would never make that decision. She hates mm-hmm. flying, for one thing. Right. So she would never pick that. Nope, 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 nope. Never even think of that as the solution out. And of course, Harry, like as someone who is very comfortable in the air, like that just mm-hmm. seems like a straight up like character flaw in, in, in the movie there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. And another thing that doesn't make sense just by the way that they shot it in the movie is that Hermione takes this running, jumping start from the little ledge that they're on onto the dragon. Uh, remember five minutes ago when she couldn't walk on heels <laughs> down a hallway and now she's sprinting and jumping a sizable distance onto a dragon's back? Hermione learned how to walk in heels really quickly <laughs> when she was sitting in a mine car for a few minutes. <laughs> Maybe uh, she took them off. She didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the movie. She's still wearing them. <laughs> So it's just little inconsistencies. um, What was my note that you're about to read? Yes. So the next Kelly note is that with the dragon breaking in and then they have the shot where it's from above, you said that it was very Jurassic Park-esque. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is very Jurassic Park-esque. When you're looking into the dragon's mouth as he's like snapping at you, it's very Mm -hmm, mm T-Rex-ish. So then they have to try to get away from Gringotts. They're on the dragon. They're up there. And then another thing that didn't happen in the book, but Hermione says reducto onto the dragon's tail to try to get it to go as if they were like whipping a horse. Oh, yeah. But in the in the book, they actually help it get out more. Yes. They're like helping break the walls for it. Yeah. And stuff like that. Which so I they... thought was cool. They're using spells to break through the things. So yeah, the like camaraderie between wizard and creature. Right. But now she's just like, let me whip the tail. <laughs> Would a dragon need that? Aren't the dragons huge and spitfire and can just kind of break shit? Probably. And I guess that's what they're going for in the movie. But in the book, they describe the dragon as being really looking withered and old and malnourished. Mostly blind. Underfed, if you will. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And you can kind of see that in the film. Yeah, yeah, you get that in the film. I I think in the book, there's more concern about if the dragon's going to be able to escape. So they're like, well, it's already breaking stuff anyway. We might as well help it along. (laughs) And they want to go quicker. And and then I guess it also makes sense of like why the dragon just doesn't straight up eat them because they've helped the dragon, I guess. I always thought it didn't know that they were on its back. Oh. That was the vibe I kind of got too because it's not like whipping them around like a bull or anything. It's just kind of letting them... Or a bucking bronco. Yeah. That makes sense. He just doesn't even realize that there's something on his back. Yeah. So then they fly away on the dragon into the sky and I think this is a perfect time to cut for this first episode of three about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two. But before we go, Ty, I know we we were friends for back in your YouTube ironing my underwear days. That's right. Uh, That's right. That was his username on YouTube. (laughs) No video ever featured me ironing my underwear, but that was the name. Do you still iron your underwear? You know, it was uh, uh, (laughs) a... 
a habit that I legitimately did in high school. Why did you? I think I had like a little bit of legitimate OCD and just okay, needed okay. everything to be perfectly flat. <laughs> so I ironed my underwear, my jeans, my t-shirts, everything. Everything you said makes sense except for your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who, who irons his underwear. Maybe, hey, your drawers are probably nice and compact. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, your uh, drawers. But, you know, every once in a while, no. uh, we still throw out videos. In fact, uh, the the time that I proposed to my now wife is is on there. Right. So you can still yeah. see all that stuff on uh, the Ironing My Underwear on YouTube. Yeah, is there anything else you need to, you want to promote in the meantime or you're, you get? I'm just out here promoting like healthy brushing. Make sure to brush your teeth <laughs> morning and night, people. People don't do that. <laughs> If I can just promote oral health in this, then I feel like I did my job. <laughs> it's a shame that Quip doesn't sponsor the podcast. <laughs> We're trying to get new sponsors out of this, you know? So if you're out there, yeah, we've Colgate. already appealed to every gym that isn't Blink Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, how about you? Anything? Or? Uh, I'll promote carrots. This okay. episode brought to you by my pile of carrots over here. Mm-hmm. You also, you have uh, you've made a Twitter since the last time you were. Oh uh, yeah, what says was that from the last? I don't know. Say on? your Twitter account. People will follow you. Shoot, what's my name? It's Hold vote on. for me, Kelly B. Is it vote for me? I'm Kelly B. On Twitter, it's just vote for me, Kelly B. Because you ran out of characters. Though I know your original slogan for winning fourth grade class president was. Oh vote yeah, for me, I'm I ran Kelly for B. fourth grade class president. And my slogan, which I put on buttons and everything, was "Vote for me, I'm Kelly B." So my my Twitter is "Vote for me, Kelly B." Did you win? <laughs> oh, I won! I won! So, Landslide victory. The campaign worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, Ty and Kelly, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they go through a waterfall on a roller coaster, wizard on. <laughs> Do we say it too? Wizard on! You you can. You don't have to. It's not necessary. Wizard on! (laughs) Hey, if you love Multitude stuff, but you want a new show, guess what? Multitude made a new show. It's called Next Stop. It's an audio sitcom by Multitude. The trailer is out now. Whoa, so cool. I play a couple of background roles. I have a cameo appearance, and then I play background vocals. It's fantastic. You should listen for my voice murmuring throughout the scenes. If you want to learn more about it, head on over to nextstopshow.com. Potterus is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Ponce, Anfilio, Rosemary Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonier, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Ross Ann Batamana, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian, the Owl Takari, Ron, Haley Hastings, Moster, Ingen Oddstadter, Alex Consilver, John Codker, Noel Basilay, Emily Tyrell, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Ensign, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Friday J. Sven. Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Summer Rathal, Andrea Crock, Lynn Walker, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Ned Atabani, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addy, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Placky, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Aaron Richter, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Lindsay Towning, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail and Mr. Folk, Maya, Kieran, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Siri Scars, Ford, Georgia, Peter Wyckoff, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Thread, Ellie Hoskov Chova, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Lily, Elizabeth Christopher, 
Jefferson, Michael David Yordi, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly O'Till, Carrie Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Mary Mateel, Jennifer Wendt, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Will Husser, Samantha Lentz, Kayla M. Simino, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Out of Context 69, Marco Cepeda, Hannah Zeters, Courtney Spilker, Victoria McCormick, Marika Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Anna Penalber, Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Jenny, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Mary Joy Moi, Heather, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, Javi Guadalupe, Trejo III, Darlene Kerr, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Charlotte, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Tew, Bugaboo, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Emma, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Jen and Rose Dab, Nicole Linzer, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Jordy Wright, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Bill Gill, Victoria Colca Perry, Joe Radwan, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Molly Bautista, Becca Spry, Anthony Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Courtney Harris, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, G, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Herabat, Melanie Dugreif, Maria, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki, Pony Pony, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Kambamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. And for merch, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com slash merch. If you want to see us live in New Orleans with Harry Potter and the Secret Text, go to Multitude.Production slash live. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's in person or through a review online, that really does help. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, as I say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on!